And that's how I raised my round from Mark Cuban, legit over email in about a two hour span, back and forth, didn't get on a phone call, didn't do a product demo because I had a track record and people that were willing to vouch for me. I'm so long on my relationships. It doesn't matter if I lost everything uh, tomorrow, if I if I get to keep my relationships, that I'd be able to rebuild everything I've created within three years. Like it's just that powerful if you decide to invest in it. You're listening to Customer Show, the podcast that explores what makes people tick, click, and buy. I'm your host, Caitlin Burgoyne. I'm a marketer by trade and a four-time founder by choice. And I believe whoever gets closer to the customer wins. So here's the multi-million dollar question. In a world where everyone is fighting for your buyer's attention, how do people like us, marketers and entrepreneurs who want to drive more sales without working around the clock or resorting to shady marketing techniques, how do we persuade more customers to buy from us? That's the question, and this show has the answers. Okay, so you may not know this about me, but in a past life, I started a software company that Forbes magazine once called the next LinkedIn for women. We were eager to build the next billion dollar success story. And as you've probably guessed, that didn't exactly turn out as planned. We never built the next LinkedIn, but I did get to meet some brilliant people along the way. And one of those people was Dan Martell. If you're in the startup world, then you probably already have heard of Dan. But if not, then you need to know that Dan is an expert in starting and growing companies. He started six software businesses and sold three of them. He's also an early investor in businesses like Intercom, Hootsuite, and Udemy. His personal portfolio of over 40 software businesses includes $4 billion companies. These are better known as unicorn companies in the startup world because they are so rare. I'm thrilled to share my conversation with Dan. This episode is jam-packed with priceless insights for any budding founder. My favorite story is how Dan got Mark Cuban, the famous investor from Shark Tank, to invest in his last company by just sending a few emails. He'll also share the three questions that he asked before investing in any business, and how he uses a very simple metric to sniff out whether a software company has what it takes to become a $100 million business. So if you're thinking about raising money for your business, this episode is for you. Okay, let's jump in. So how many businesses have you actually started? Yeah, so I, it's a funny question, right? It's how many domains have I bought versus incorporations I've gone through? That's the way I kind of mm-hmm. filter projects from companies. But I have started six companies that I've been the CEO of. I've exited the last three, and I'm now still working on some active ones, my investment portfolio and my coaching company, and invested in 40 plus SaaS companies, technology companies, four of them are billion dollar companies. So, wow, yeah, can you drop just, the name? Uh, yeah, so Intercom, Hootsuite, mm-hmm. Udemy, Get Around, and then a ton of other incredible founders. And again, I feel super lucky to have the chance to invest. I'm, I'm always, usually, my investment style is first money in and um, really long term. So, like Intercom, I think, is about to go public. They can't really tell me, but I know based on the emails I've seen. 
So that's going to be a big one. Um, definitely going to continue to hold because uh, they're doing incredible. But yeah, so they're I just, such I just an inspiring company. I love how they share how their company functions. And I'm a big nerd for jobs to be done. And I know that that's a, you know, kind of foundational in the way that they think about the company. And I'm, I didn't know you were a part of that. That's amazing. Yeah, I met Owen back in 2009. Des and I got to know each other on the product side and just been incredible. They, I mean, they popularize, I believe, jobs to be done, you know, 100%. behind a few other people. And they've just, they, they just, they took a totally different approach to how they built a traditional Silicon Valley company. So they're just incredible founders. Well, and you touched on this, but like, what are you working on today? Well, today I've got three parts of my life. I have a program I created called Creators for At-Risk Youth. So that's a big part of my life working with, you know, kids that are into drug addiction, foster parents, foster care, etc. So that's one aspect. The other one is my coaching practice, which is SAS Academy. I've got one of the largest coaching programs in the world, not even just for SAS anymore. It's really become uh, a pretty incredible community of hundreds of software founders and different programs for different levels of scale. Even my curriculum now is being like Propel, I believe, where we first met is actually using the curriculum to power their company's uh, content. So I have a few accelerators doing that. And then the other one is essentially my, my venture arm, Martel Ventures, which is you know where I do all my investments. I'm now into buying and holding SaaS companies. So I acquire companies, you know, kind of grow them with my team there. So I don't not do busy. It's a little <laughs> crazy, especially with the, a young family and, and the desire to travel as much as we do. Oh, I know. I follow what you guys are up to. You are all over the place. You've got two young kids and it's just, it's inspiring to see what you're doing. And it seems like you are definitely busy. So as you guys can hear from Dan's background, I could have talked to Dan about anything. This show is about how you persuade people, what makes people tick, click and buy. Dan's running one of the largest coaching programs in the world. He is obviously hella good at this stuff. But what I want to zero in on, because I think Dan can speak to this to a level of detail that few people can. I want to know, how did you get somebody like Mark Cuban to invest in your last company, Clarity? How did that happen? This is a great question. Well, the, the backstory is I first met Cuban and he wouldn't remember because it was late at night. I, I was at an event called Summit Series in uh, Washington, D.C. This would have been 2000, probably 10 or 11. And, you know, he was one of the speakers at this event. I mean, it was it was a really cool thing. The Summit Series group created an opportunity for a bunch of young entrepreneurs to connect with kind of people like Mark Cuban and others. Now, that's when I first met him. The, the fun story, Kate, if you go even further back, I cold emailed about 20 tech entrepreneurs, CEOs back when I was 19 years old. So we're talking mm -hmm. Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Mark Cuban. <laughs> like I made a list of the top 20 people that um, I could find online and I emailed them all. And I asked them this question. I said, because I was always, you know, torn between should I go to university? Should I get an education? I was, so I asked them, I said, based on these three things, who you know, what you know, or your level of grit or determination, what's the most important factor of success in, in entrepreneurship? And I got very few replies, maybe four, but, but Cuban's That's pretty incredible. Yeah, well, they just hit reply and said one or two or three or whatever. Like it was very short, but Cuban replied and he said, doing all three when everybody's trying to pick one. Mm. So that was my very first interaction with Mark as a 19 year old. And then fast forward, 
you know, I think I was Claire, I can't, so many companies. I think I was like 32 when I started the company. I'm 40 now. So I started in 2012. That sounds about right. I was fundraising. So I'd, I'd sold my previous company, Flowtown, made my investors a lot of money. And then when I started Clarity, you know, that's, that's kind of like people are like, how did you raise your round in 21 days? Well, if you make investors money, that's a good start, right? So like <laughs> that helped. But so essentially I did 1.6 million or one, I had 1.4 million raised, but it happened so quick that I felt like there were some other strategic angels that I wanted to get on board. So what I decided to do is go to AngelList and kind of announce the fundraise, knowing that I really didn't need AngelList community to, to, to finish out the round. It was more of just an awareness. So it was the easiest way for me to tell all my friends because I, I had a lot of friends that were also angel investors that probably weren't even aware that I'd started this new company or nor that I was raising around. So essentially I put it on AngelList, we blasted it, like pushed it hard for five days. And during that time, when we were looking, we had this like, and this is why I invested in Intercom because Intercom had a feature where it would look like it would create a stream of all the activities being done in your product, like logged mm-hmm. in, searched, et cetera. So you'd see like this activity stream. And we had, because I built this in Flowtown, I built it in Clarity. And on the back end, I was watching like the new signups and I noticed Mark Cuban signed up for Clarity. Now, back then, the only way you could sign up for the product was by Facebook connecting your account to verify who you were. So I actually clicked the link and, and Clarity was a marketplace for entrepreneurs to get advice over the phone, kind of like mm-hmm. if LinkedIn had a call button. So anyways, I clicked his profile in our system and it opened up Facebook and it showed me this was actually the Mark Cuban. It wasn't like a fake account or whatever. And, and then I messaged him and I said, Hey, Mark, knows you just signed up for Clarity. I'm the founder. I'm curious what you think. And it was like, it started with one email prompt. He replied, yeah, my buddy Alex mentioned you guys. You know, I was I was on AngelList. I, I like what you guys are doing. So Alex Bard. So it's relationships at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like Alex Bard had started a company called the Sisley. I became friends with them in 2008 when I moved to San Francisco. I helped them at Assistly kind of build a marketing strategy. I mean, they're brilliant. I don't take any credit for their success, but that's kind of like how we became friends because I was like actively showing them some of the growth stuff we were doing at Flowtown. And they ended up getting acquired by Salesforce. And, and Mark Cuban was an investor in Assistly. So he made a lot of money, trusted Alex. Alex was one of my connections on AngelList. So he asked Alex about me. Alex gave me the green light. And then Mark engaged. And it literally was like 13 or 14 emails of Mark going, what do you think about Pinterest? And then I would send them a product screenshot of kind of how we are thinking of building our widget structure. And, you know, what do you think of this? And it went back and forth to the point where he's like, I'm interested. If you've got room, I'm cool doing 250. If you like me more as an advisor, I'd be interested in doing for an extra like uh, 0.1% equity. And that's how I raised my round from Mark Cuban, legit over email in about a two hour span back and forth, didn't get on a phone call, didn't do a product demo because he, yeah, he just used the product. And because I had a track record and people that were willing to vouch for me. And I I mean, that to me, as you know, Kate, is I'm I'm so long on my relationships. You know, I've Mm -hmm. always said, you know, it doesn't matter if I lost everything uh, tomorrow, if I, if I get to keep, you know, my relationships that I'd be able to rebuild everything I've created within three years. Like it's just, that powerful if you decide to invest in it. 
I love that. One of the things I remember you saying, I think it may have been the first time we met, might have been at a later date, but you said, you know, your network is your net worth. And that always stuck with me. And I think it's so powerful because especially in startup world where everyone's being encouraged, move fast and break things. I think there's a lot of, you know, transactional relationships that happen and having playing the long game as you've clearly done and making those investments, it pays off. And so what can founders learn from that story you just shared? Like, what are some of the takeaways that of why you were able to get Mark Cuban through a few emails? Like, what's the back, like, what's the takeaways there? What are the golden nuggets? Well, um, there's a few. The, the relationship side, so that that saying, your network is your net worth, I got from a guy named Tim Sanders. He wrote an incredible co- called a book called Love is a Killer App. Not very well known. It literally sh- shaped my life. It was the first physical business book I ever read as a 23-year-old. I'd read a bunch of software programming books prior to that from 17 onward, but it never occurred to me after two failed companies that maybe I should study business. So that's, I w- I'll give a hundred percent credit and, and suggest everybody read that book because it taught me that lesson. And then the investing in the relationship side, you know, I, the way I've always looked at it is there's a serendipitous approach and a strategic approach. And I, and I'll do both. So I'm a big fan of attending events with no specific outcome whatsoever and just allowing my interactions to guide my my time allocation per se. Like if somebody's like, hey, we're doing dinner tonight, you should join. I'll just I'll just allow the universe to guide me in that case. And then on the flip side, like every time I start a new company, I write down the 10 people that are the best in the world at it, the 30 people that I needed advisors and the 60 people that I want as peers that understand that market and where I'm going. So I'm very strategic on that level and I'll reach out to them and I'll try to add value and I'll, I'll try to spend time with them and, and create, you know, I host founder dinners, which you've been to. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of, you know, just, adding as much value as I can. That's why I share everything I've ever learned. That's one of my mottos in life is, is like learn, do, and then teach. And so that, that's the network side of it. It's just like people just underestimate. Like I know today that no matter what crazy dream I have, I already know everybody I need to know to make it come true. I just got to be creative enough to connect the dots. Like I, I believe yeah. that in my core. And so, you do. And I mean, it's from probably more than, you know, decades of relationship building, but you know, you know, you've been on Richard Branson's Island, Mark Cuban's in your last company, like all of the heavy hitters that people dream of one day being able to have a conversation with are giving you time and really building a, and you're building a relationship with them. And there's so much value there for people to learn from. I will say on that one, just be curious. I think a lot of founders aren't curious enough. Learn how to Great. ask good questions. Okay, let's take a quick time out. If you're listening to today's episode, I bet you're already imagining how you can apply all these ideas to your work. But before you go out and eagerly rewrite all of the copy on your website or change your whole marketing strategy, first, I need you to ask yourself this very important question. Do you know, without a shadow of a doubt, who your most valuable customer segment is? If not, you're in trouble. You don't have time to waste by chasing the wrong customers. Even with all of these ideas from our amazing guests, if you're chasing the wrong people, it's going to feel like an uphill battle. But if you're ready to stop wasting time on marketing that doesn't work and attract more dream customers, then I've got something you are going to love. I put together a free tool just for you. I call it my customer ranking calculator. 
Now, in a matter of minutes, this quick exercise can help you to gain clarity around which customer segments you should focus on and which ones you may want to stop serving. That sounds good, right? So if you want to download this free tool, head on over to customercamp.co forward slash calculator. That's customercamp.co forward slash calculator. Okay, back to the show. So now let's get into some of that founder advice. I want you to put your investor hat on. So you've invested in over 40 companies, a bunch that people, that listeners will be familiar with. What do those companies have in common? Anything that kind of stands out and kind of threads that tie them together? Yeah, one is they're solving a problem that I have and I'm familiar with. I don't I don't like to invest because my investment style is so personal. Like I don't, I'm not doing this as a fund and I manage other people's money. It's my money I'm deploying and deciding essentially through my, my investment, who I spend time with. So one is, is it a problem that I have personally that I feel um, like interested in? Two, do I feel like I can actually add value? Is there any aspect of my network or my experience, et cetera, that I feel will be differentiated? And then three, when I talk to the founders, do they teach me things? And to me, that's a non-negotiable. If I don't feel interacting with this company and their te- that I'm learning about the market or learning new strategies, I mean, in many ways, I've always looked at my angel investing as kind of a paid, you know, accelerated exec MBA. Like I didn't go to <laughs> university. I don't have a degree in business, but being able to not only build my own companies, but invest and see like how like Udemy taught me a lot about growth hacking. They had an incredible growth team at Udemy that I helped shape. And I also learned a ton from and, and like Keaton Shaw, who I know you've had on the, the podcast, you know, he was an, an early uh, advisor and friend of mine and like learning from these people, you know, Eric Reese, Sean Ellis, like the, the, the people who shaped the technology marketing world, Andrew Chen, all these, these, these are all formal advisors to me because I was involved either in a company that they were involved in and that's how I got to know them or, you know, the, the relationship side. But those are the three big factors that are non-negotiables for me that I, I'm never investing just for the money. I love that. And I love that you shared that you didn't prior when you said that Mark gave you that feedback about, you know, do all three. You did all three. You didn't do all three in the conventional way. You didn't end up going to school and paying lots of money to get a piece of paper on your wall. But now you're paying lots of money to get that like knowledge in your head. And that's so incredible. I love that outlook. How if I'm a founder, let's say that I'm thinking it's time to start raising money. How do I even know if I'm ready? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, raising capital is a decision. And the decision you're making, even if you're not aware, is do you want to build a hundred million a year company? And that's a very personal decision that you have to make. And the reason why is I coach typically bootstrap B2B software as a service founders. That's like my what I know how to do really well. Do I have venture companies? For sure. 30% of my clients that I coach are, are venture backed. That I know to do well. But what I love about the bootstrap founders is the tactics and strategies have to work in absence of a lot of capital. And that's that's why I focus on that community. And because of that, I'm exposed and I've seen so many incredible companies that never raise venture capital that produce literally have a client that does about 14 million in revenue a year and 8 million in profit. So at 8 million in profit, there's really no lifestyle that you can't live. 
if you want to fly around private and 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 live on a island and literally not work because you can afford to pay a CEO half a million dollars a year, like there's no lifestyle you can't live. And now it took him 15 years to build that, um, and a lot of people would have gave up. But I also have other clients like David at Deal Machine. He's been able to do similar in about two years, right? Or Jason at Lead Sherpa, similar economics in about 16 months. So it doesn't have to take 15 years. I only started working with, that, with Noah, that founder, probably two and a half years ago and, and helped him scale. But to me, that's a decision. Are you going to go swing for the fences or not? If you do take the money, just know that the outcome is binary. It's either going to be an incredible grand slam or it's going to be probably zero. And that's okay if that's what you want to do. So I raised venture capital back for Flowtown um, and Clarity. Both were venture funded because I was aiming for the bleachers. Like I was looking to knock the ball out of the park. And that worked out for us, but it could have easily not been that. So when, and then what, what do you need to see for traction? You need to have a product that gets customers activated and retained. I think that's a proxy. People are like, what about charging and pricing and premium? At the end of the day, the proxy for quality of your software and interest in the market is can you get them activated right away? And can you keep them around using the product week over week? Awesome. Okay. So I'm a founder, hypothetically, that has definite aspirations of building a $100 million company. I've got a product. We're seeing good activation, good retention. Now I'm trying to get a meeting with a busy person like you. So I'm sure you get a lot of requests for chats and feedback and all this stuff. Like, how do, how would somebody like me break through to actually have a conversation with you? Yeah, it's easy. It's called, well, the, the idea is investors don't want to meet you, they want to be introduced to you. Mm-hmm. So that's the big idea that a lot of people miss. So there's three phases of fundraising. I've helped founders raise over 400 million. So I've, I've, I've built a process and a systems like it's literally, if you follow it, it'll work out. If people want to go to, uh, and I'll give you the link. It's just LP. So landingpage.danmartel.com forward slash fundraising. Then I have a whole 90 minute training on how to do fundraising and breaking down those three um, phases. The first phase is pre-marketing and then let's say fundraising. So now that you've done phase one, you're in a phase two, that's where you have to reach out to entrepreneurs that have recently raised money from an investor you have identified and connect with them first, asking for advice. And I do that with air quotes because yeah, you want their advice, but the truth is you're really just getting them interested in what you're doing so that you can ask for the introduction to the investor, right? Mm -hmm. So anybody can go on my angel list or Crunchbase or whatever and see like who are the companies I recently invested in, reach out to them. And the reason why those founders versus the other ones is the other ones are further along and really busy, right? So as you know, if you raise venture capital like you, and you just raise around, it actually is like you've got a little bit more time on your hands because you were spending mm-hmm. so much time on the fundraising that now you can kind of breathe a little bit. And if an entrepreneur reaches out asking for advice, you're more likely to do it because you know what it feels like. You just went through it. Yeah. And usually if you do your, yeah, if you do your conversation right at the end, the entrepreneur is going to say, Hey, how can I be helpful? And you go, well, I noticed that Dan Martell invested in your last round. You know, we're building X and I know he's invested in these two companies and he has experience based on his blog post. You know, when the time's right, would you be open to making an introduction? I'd really appreciate it. They go for sure. You say, great, awesome. You queue them up in the list and then you follow up maybe in three or four weeks and say, Hey, you know, we've decided to raise, we've got a ton of meetings. You know, you mentioned you make an introduction. Here's an email. And I teach all this in the, the masterclass. But like, here's the email structure you use. Because you actually want to write the email that the founder uses to make the introduction to the investor. You don't want them to write it. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. So you give it to them and like, so they feel free to they... add it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause it saves them time, right? I teach people the same thing when it comes to getting interviews with customers or prospective customers, if they want to learn from them, like, you know, make them do as little work as possible. Totally. And it's just, it lets you guide what's being said, which is the most important thing. Like the information being unfolded in the right sequence is going to decide if people invest or pass. Okay. I think that this is the big one that people really want to really want to know. So if I've done all the things right, I've gotten that warm introduction to somebody like yourself, a super busy person. And you actually said, yeah, like this sounds interesting. I want to talk to you, you know, show me what, show you what we've got. So like, I'm getting ready for that meeting. Like, is there anything I should be doing in advance of that meeting to prepare? Yeah, you got to practice. The amount of lack of practicing blows my mind. Like when I was raising capital, me and my co-founder, Ethan for Flowtown, we would sit there and role play and we would practice. I would like, to me, you want to create a well-designed choreography of exactly how you want the conversation to go. I personally, and most investors want to see the product at an early stage, you can sit there and blah, 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 market size, blah, 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 money you're going to make. Just show me the product. At the end of the day, that's going to tell me a whole lot about how much you truly understand the customer, how your ability to translate you know, vision into actual execution the quality of the experience, et cetera. They'll tell me how good your team is. So I'm a big fan of, hey, this is the market size. Here's the problem we're solving. Here's how I decided to solve it. So story really quick, three big things. And then let me show you how the product works. Because if you don't, that's all they're thinking. They're like, this sounds cool, but how does it work? So just show them. I, I always say show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. I love that. And when will you know if they're interested? Like, Are there little subtle cues or is it just going to be so obvious? They're, you know, they're interested when they start giving you advice, Mm. you know, they're not when they don't give you anything. Like if they start going like, Oh, have you thought of this? Or, you know, what you could do is consider doing this, this, and this, I really like this, but do you know about this thing? It's like, no, tell me more about it. And, and now the truth is, is as an entrepreneur, you can strategically prompt and ask questions to get the investor interested in you, right? Like back to the be curious. Like you might say, you know, one question I had for you is I noticed you invested in this company. I'm curious, what did you see in the early days that made you feel like it was the right investment? The reason you ask this, this is sales 101, Kate. You ask that because they're going to give you the hit list of things you need to show them to, to get them to make a decision to invest in you. Like that's like this, people should read some books on selling because this is, you know, persuasion. This some of the stuff's one oh one and they and they totally missed the opportunity. Absolutely. And this has been so good, so rich. So I know you have an enormous amount of content, a great library of content as a follow up to this. If people want to go deeper, I know you've got a YouTube video where you talk about the four steps for raising capital. Any other things that we should link to in the show notes to help people to kind of go deeper with you on fundraising? The big thing is the masterclass I provide. So th- so I'll have that link. And then also search online fundraising Dan Martell. I've done so many talks and podcasts and YouTube videos on the topic for different things around how to decide how to split up equity to, you know, should you raise venture or should you bootstrap? So everything's online. I literally try to teach and give away everything I know. Amazing. And so any last words of wisdom for founders who are in that fundraising journey, they're at the early stages, anything to kind of like give them that gusto to keep going? Yeah, if you're decide to raise, decide to raise. So many founders are half pregnant on it. 
and you need to decide, you need to attack it like it's the only outcome that matters for you in your business. And you have to wake up every single day and spend the first two or three hours 100% focused on fundraising. And you have to let your team know like, hey, for the next two to three months, I'm not going to be as available because I'm trying to get this really important thing done. And you need to attack it and be obsessed around it. And if you don't do that, you'll either not raise for sure, or you'll raise from a bunch of not sophisticated, high net worth individuals that ask you for a pro forma and a business plan. Like that's, those are the only two outcomes if you don't take this seriously. And most people that raise don't take it as seriously as they need to think about it. I wish that I would have asked you that question like five years ago when I was raising money for my first uh, VC back company because I think I was half pregnant. You know, I think that I had the 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 vision of like if I want to do this thing and this hard thing, I'm going to need capital to do it. But I remember I was doing a accelerator in Vegas put on by Tony Tony Shea from from. Zappos and I was touring his campus and it was only 1500 people, which is huge, but like not that huge for a tech company. And we were trying to build a network and I was looking around. I was like, I do not want to manage this many people. Like I don't want to build a company this big. And it was this horrifying moment where I was like, I'm going about this whole thing wrong. (laughs) So I wish that I would have had this conversation with you a lot sooner. And I love that you say that about 70% of your coaching clients are doing it the bootstrapped way because it shows that there's another path. There's another path to be able to build a really meaningful company and an incredible lifestyle without having to necessarily go the traditional way. And you're helping people with that. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. My, My appreciation, Kate. Thanks so much. So if founders want to learn more from you, where's the first place they should go? And I'm, I'm sure that they'll find the other tentacles from there. Yeah, I mean, danmartel.com, 2Ls and Martel. That's my site where I link to everything. If they want the behind the scenes, Instagram stories. If they want to learn the how-to, YouTube. If they want to just see my motivation, TikTok. Got a half million followers on TikTok. A bunch of teenagers that I'm really uh, committed <laughs> to just... Yeah, no, no, no crop tops and dances for me, but... I'm on every social platform, LinkedIn, more on the business content. I really try to publish literally every day. I've got a team dedicated to just pumping out as much as I can. The world is thankful that you're working in the capacity you're working in today, because now not just your investors get to benefit, but a whole lot of founders get to benefit too. So thank you, Dan. Thanks so much. Hey there. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show. I absolutely love getting nerdy with you and our guests each week. It is just so much fun. And speaking of nerdy marketing stuff, have you heard about the power of reciprocity in marketing? Reciprocity is one of the best methods you can use to persuade people to take action. It's simple. Give something small for free before you ask for a sale. You see this all the time in marketing. Sometimes it's a free sample, a free trial, or even a free podcast like this one. With that in mind, I've got a small favor to ask. If you've gotten at least one aha moment while listening to the show, could you go to Apple Podcasts and give Customer Show a five-star rating? It'll only take a few seconds, and ratings are really the best way to help new people discover the show. I see every rating and am beyond grateful for each one. And who knows, maybe one day you'll need something from me, and then I can return the favor for you. So thanks again. 